Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Welcome everyone. You know the old saying, nothing is sure but death and taxes? Well, Dr. Jennings is here via Skype to discuss not taxes, but the other thing, but a little bit more of a detail than we usually go into it. Because the Bible talks about a valley of death, but it adds a word to it. It says, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Dr. Jennings via Skype, what is that shadow and why is it important to us? So we're referencing the 23rd Psalm yes. when we use that language, the valley of the shadow of death. And so what we're going to do in this program is we're going to go through that Psalm verse by verse and unpack each verse together and see what that is really talking about. Because my understanding, most people actually think that that's talking about the valley where we die mm-hmm. or where we're threatened with physical death, mm-hmm. but it actually is not. But let's, let's start in the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And of course, this was written by David, who was a shepherd himself. Yes. And the lambs are symbolic of the people of God, and Christ is the shepherd, and, and we are fairly helpless, but he can protect us from all the ravenous wolves. And so when the Lord is our shepherd, we don't have to fear, and we don't have to be concerned. And Jesus talked about that the sparrows don't weave or sow, yet God provides for them, and we are much more valuable. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be added into us, and we're Worrying adds nothing to us. And one of the traps that many people fall into is the trap of worrying about their bread or water or food and so forth. When Jesus is our shepherd, we don't have to worry. He will always provide for us. Mm-hmm. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. This is an image for a sheep. This is a great place. Yes. This is a this is where you're going to be strengthened. This is where you're going to be nurtured. You're going to be hydrated. You're going to be fed. You're going to be safe. And so this is an oasis. This is often in the spiritual journey, accepting Christ as your Savior. This is that first wonderful spiritual high, safe place, feeling protected. When we first come to Jesus, we often will have a, a period of time where it seems like we're doing a lot of growth and things seem to be going very well. We're being spiritually fed. It makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters to build that relationship with our shepherd. Mm-hmm. And there's a purpose for why he's doing this, and it tells us in the next verse, he restores my soul. Mm-hmm. He heals the inner person. He cleans us up, cleanses the conscience, takes away the guilt, removes the shame, restores our individuality, provides us the indwelling spirit who who builds the fruits of the spirit, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. We gain self-mastery, self-governance, our internal integrity, our dignity, our personhood thrives. We grow in inner healthiness. Our soul is being restored. Mm -hmm. But there's a purpose he's doing this too. Next verse. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So notice that the shepherd that we trust, who is strengthening us for the purpose of restoring our soul, will begin leading us down a path. And the path that begins leading us down is the path of righteousness, not the path of wickedness, the path of doing right, living right, harmony with his design, methods, principles, character, law. And it's for the purpose 
of glorifying his own name or character. As those who have fallen into sin and have been damaged by the brokenness of this world come to Christ and surrender to him, not only does he bring peace to their heart and healing to their soul, as they begin living for him, they become shining lights and, and they live new methods and they live new principles and who is glorified, who is magnified by that transformation. God is lifted up and glorified by that magnification of his name. Mm-hmm. So he leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. But notice now, after he's doing all this, where the text actually takes us that he's he's leading us. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk, I'm following my shepherd. He's the one who's leading me. And where does he lead me to? He leads me to the valley of the shadow of death. This is not the valley of death. Mm. And this is the point we want to make today. Many people in war times and combat, you see this in movies and pictures, they will quote this. This is not actually talking about physical death. This is not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. This is the valley that every saved person must go through where they die to sin and selfishness, where they die to the carnal nature, where they feel like they're dying inside. It's the valley of the shadow of death. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And that is the temptation. And what will happen, and you see this a lot, what will happen is that individuals will have done some wild living. Maybe got involved in gambling or pornography or an addiction of some kind. And then consequences come to bear. They get arrested. Their spouse is leaving them. They are in terrible financial trouble and their, their home is being foreclosed, whatever. But the consequences are coming because of their living patterns that they knew were wrong, but they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And what they'll do as the consequences come to bear often is they'll fall on their knees. Lord, I've messed up. Will you please forgive me? And God is gracious. And God is always forgiving. And of course he forgives. And they feel a sense of the guilt being relieved. And they feel God's presence working because he wants to deliver them from the problems in the inner person. He wants to heal their soul so they don't fall back into this. Mm -hmm. And so he comforts them in the green pastures and still waters. And and they begin to strengthen. And and some of the problems he delivers them from, maybe the charges are dropped. Maybe they are able to refinance and things seem to look better. And then he leads them in the valley of the shadow of death where they have to face the actual dying to self and they become anxious. They become fearful. They get uncomfortable. It's emotionally painful. And then many will run back to their addiction, their substance to comfort themselves and make them feel better rather than trusting Jesus through that valley. And they repeat this cycle of relapse over and over again and recurrent patterns of behavior over and over again. Jesus wants us to cling to him in that valley, trusting him with the outcome, because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. The shepherd's rod, which drives away the evil forces that would attack us, or the shepherd's rod that will train and lead, and the staff that drives away and beat back the attackers, the hook which will pick us up out of the ditch, they will comfort us if we trust him. This valley of the shadow of death we see in the life of Jacob after his deceiving and cheating his brother and deceiving his dad. And he flees and runs away and has all these problems. And then he's on his way back finally all these years later. And he wrestles 
in agony one night with an angel. Mm-hmm. The night of Jacob's trouble. This is his valley where he, with God, overcomes his own fears and insecurities that have led him to always look out for self. He finally overcomes that and trusts God. And his name is changed from Jacob, the deceiver, to Israel, one who with God overcomes. We see the same in David's life, who after his sin with Bathsheba was confronted by Nathan and goes out and weeps bitterly and writes Psalms 51, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with him. And we see this in Peter's life after he denies the Lord three times with cursing, goes out and weeps bitterly and is finally converted. Jesus told him before the crucifixion, when you're converted, feed my sheep. And so they all had to go through this valley. They had a relationship with Jesus. They were walking with Jesus, but they hadn't fully yet died to self. And that's what they needed to do. And then when we come out and, he, and we're, we're lifted up because we have truly trusted him and come through that valley, then he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He feeds us the bread of heaven, the unleavened bread in the old system. But Jesus is the bread that has come down from heaven. We partake of his body and drink of his shed blood metaphorically, which is the word of God made flesh. And we partake of the word of God. And then we receive his life, which is symbolic of the, of the blood. He anoints our head with oil, which is the Holy Spirit, which re- enlightens and renews and and, and regenerates our cup of joy and love. Fill my cup, you know, our cup of love. Those who drink from the water, he told the woman at the well, the cup will overflow to many. So when we have been renewed like this and we receive the love of God in our life, our cup overflows, it's full, and we give and, and share what God has given to us, to many. And surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in God's house forever. We will always be part of God's family. We be part of his heavenly family, his eternal family, because we have been restored and reconciled to him. And so this is what it actually means to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with our shepherd, dying to the old man and being reborn into a new family of God. You know, that is so beautiful. So many people, Dr. Jennings, believe that when they're in that valley of the shadow of death, that all of the feelings they're having and all of the agony they're going through and all of the pain they're suffering is a punishment from God. Is that always the case? When you're experiencing something that you experience as uncomfortable or painful or hurtful, mm-hmm. the quality of the experience, it hurts, it's uncomfortable, right. does not tell us whether it's therapeutic or destructive. Hmm. If a person has a wound and there's dirt in the wound and the, a mother or a doctor gently as possible gets the sand and washes the sand out of the wound so it can heal, that is often painful. Yes. But that is necessary when there is woundedness or injury. And so here's a truth, a truism. Once there is woundedness, brokenness, or injury of any kind, There are no pain-free options. Mm. The healing interventions that are designed to remove the infecting elements or the broken elements will be uncomfortable and painful to the one who has brokenness or injury. But that doesn't mean it's harmful. So sometimes God's interventions in our life are uncomfortable to us, bringing truth. When Nathan was confronted, when David was confronted by Nathan with the truth of what he'd done, Being confronted with that truth was painful for David, but it was not harmful for David. Same thing when Peter saw Christ look at him when he denied him for the third time and remembered his words. That brought a conviction in his soul, and it hurt him in his soul because it it brought to conviction the, the fear and selfishness in his heart, and he hated himself for it. So 
the healing process can be painful, but that doesn't mean it's harmful. And so persons have to have discernment of what's actually happening and not simply react to how it feels. So my view is that punishment comes from the root punitive, means to exact vengeance upon, and that is not from God. Discipline comes from the root disciple, means to teach, and God disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines. So God absolutely disciplines, but his disciplines are always designed to lead us, teach us, and protect us. But that is not the same as punishment. Mm, Okay. Dr. Jennings, you have uh, a paraphrase of Psalms 23. You have a paraphrase of the entire psalm. Tell us about that particular resource that you have available at your website. Yes, we have a a New Testament paraphrase, a Psalms paraphrase, and and Genesis, and those are available to be read on our website, comeandreason.com. You can also download the free app called The Remedy, The Remedy New Testament, The Remedy app to either your device, and all of those are there. And we also have it in print. If you'd like to get that, you can pursue that on our website, comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings has outlined for us the many ways that uh, Satan has tried to to point the finger at God when it comes to what he, Satan, does. And that seems to be quite common these days, to point the finger at God. And you actually did a program on that particular aspect of of Satan not too long ago. And I think that it's important for us to realize that God acts out of love whenever he deals with us, even though that may feel painful. It's coming from a heart of love. Am I saying that right, Dr. Jennings? So rightly understood, all of God's actions are redemptive and healing, Mm. all of them, every single one of them. In our psalm for today, what we read is that our shepherd will lead us in the paths that restore souls, leads us in the path of righteousness, but because we are dead in trespass and sin and have a terminal sin condition, that path necessarily goes through a valley in which it feels awful to us because we have to die to the old man in order to be renewed in righteousness and renewed in life. And so we can't make a judgment about the experience simply on how it feels. We have to make a judgment on the objectives of what is transpiring within us. CommonReason.com is the website. This program is sponsored by Common Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, who joins us today via Skype, thank you so much for sharing and guiding us today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit ComeAndReason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together.